Welcome to New Mansion Church. What you're about to hear is a message from our pastor, Dr. Jeff Mars Sr. To learn more about the church, visit newmansion.org. God bless and enjoy the message. It's good to be gathered together in the Lord's house on this Lord's Day that He has given to us and the opportunity to come together and to worship Him. And truly, I pray that we would all do that. We would worship Him together in spirit and truth. I am blessed to have the Kincaids with us here this morning. I have a thank you card. This is from James. He wrote this last week. It says, Thank you for all the wonderful well-wishing and prayers to get through struggles and living. Every prayer counts so much. Every thought means so much. Signed by James. We'll put this out front for you to see. As you know, James went on to be with the Lord on Friday. Unexpected and yet somewhat expected, just as our lives are. We don't understand things, but the Bible says, and as Vicki's saying, someday all these things will be made clear to us. Someday we will understand great and glorious truths that have evaded us and have questioned and brought doubts to our mind and and muddled our thinking in many, many ways. And so I encourage you to lift up the Kincaid family in prayer and uh, remember them. And we will have a, a table at the back for a love offering as well. I had an interesting dream a couple of weeks ago. I had a dream that James and I were singing a praise song together. And um, Cindy could tell you I, I racked my brain for a long time to figure out what that song was. It evaded me what in the world it was. And I finally tracked it down. It was an old... Hillsong song and uh, it was just one of those strange dreams that seemed so real and yet so very far away in some way and then interestingly enough I had that same dream Thursday night again it wasn't as vivid or as as real as the first one but it was still there Uh, James and I singing together this song And I trust that someday, perhaps very soon, we will sing that song together. And looking forward to that day and that time. Well, as we gather together to worship the Lord this morning, and as we desire to worship Him here on this Palm Sunday, we are reminded of why we worship Him, because of who He is, because He is our Savior, because He is our Lord. And this morning we want to talk about who is Jesus once again. And if you would turn with me to the book of John chapter 18. John 18 this morning. Who is Jesus? Last week we talked about He is the Good Shepherd. 
And this week, who is Jesus? He is our courageous Redeemer. We want to look at the courageous Redeemer of you and me this morning. And again, if you haven't bought into our Easter services for next week, I realize sunrise service is early. I know it's early. I know it's... But it's come as you are. Uh, we've had people here in their pajamas before. Uh, we've had people in every in every condition, and that's fine. That's what it is. It's come as you are. Uh, it's just a great time to come together. We have a short service. We have breakfast together, and then we let you go back home and and uh, get ready for regular services after that. But do come out for sunrise service if you can. And again, these these place cards that we have, there's some at the back. I have some more here. Uh, If you've never invited somebody out to church and you say you can't do that, you can put one of these in the seat of their car or their truck. You can place one somewhere. But do invite someone out. It would be such a shame to have this, this beautiful remodeling complete and not have our church full next week. When so many need to hear the message, the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as uh, we mentioned earlier, you do get a referral fee if you get anyone here for one of those. So invite someone out to church next Sunday morning, alright? In John chapter 18, let's take a look this morning. Who is Jesus? Well, he is our courageous redeemer. And we want to take a short look at that this morning, this courageous Redeemer of ours. The courage of Jesus is what we're going to talk about this morning. So much of the way that you and I have seen Jesus described in the last 40 to 50 years is we see him described as a good man on a good mission. Uh, he he's, he's a, has a great message that's there, but the, somewhere in the in the instance of sharing his message he gets tripped up and he falls into the hands of the wrong people and he is tragically crucified and nothing could be further from the truth than that and we want to see that this morning the courage of Christ took him to that cross willingly purposefully for you and for me you see he set his face toward the cross and he accomplished the victory of the cross and the defeat of death and sin as he paid the price for our sins, for your sins and my sins this morning. So let's take a look. John chapter 18, beginning with verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted there with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am. 
You will notice, if you have a King James Bible, the word he being in italics. That means that that word was added for clarity to the text, not in the original manuscript. He said, I am he, but we understand that his exact phrase was, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then, as he said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered and said, I have told you that I am. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Our thought this morning, Christ, our courageous Redeemer. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, into your presence we come once again this day, placing all things in your hands and entrusting you, Father, for the glorious riches of the ages, the blessing, the hope, the promise that we have in you. As you bring your goodness into our sight, Father, as you bring your glory forth and reveal to those who desire who you are, the very nature of who you are, the blessing that you bring, the hope that we have in you, the salvation and the promise of eternal life. You have done great and glorious things, Father, and you continue to uphold us, to keep us, to watch over us, not just as a good shepherd, but as a courageous redeemer. We worship you and thank you and praise you this day for your many blessings. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Jesus Christ was born to die. That's what the Bible tells us. The Word of God clearly describes this to us, that the reason that He came was to give His life, the Bible says, as a propitiation for our sins. That meaning that He would die in place of us. He would satisfy the wrath of God for the sin of all men. How did He do that? I don't know. I can't begin to fathom how Jesus could take upon Himself all of the sin of the world. But the one thing that John reminds us, and the one thing that we see is true in the Bible is that Jesus did this, and He didn't, he didn't do it by accident or, or in a tragic manner, but He did it willingly. It was planned by Him. He saw these things, these events. John reminding us that Jesus knew what was to come. Having seen all things and knowing all things, He was aware of these surroundings and these things that should happen. And so here on this last night that we see Christ before His crucifixion, the next morning, He was hours away from the cross. As he gathers together with his disciples here in the upper room. And here together they would break bread together. And they would share the Lord's Supper. These men had received the traditional Passover feast. They had received the Lord's Supper. That is, as Jesus had distributed between them the bread and the cup that they took of. Symbolizing the body of Christ and his blood that was shed for them. But before that event took place, Jesus turned to Judas and dismissed him from the group. 
saying to him, "What you do, go do quickly." Christ was very aware of what Jesus or, or what Judas was going to do. He understood very clearly that Judas was going to betray him. And that's exactly what Judas said. While, while Christ was sharing with his disciples, as John describes to us, this upper room discourse, this, this events of the sermon of John 13, 14, and 15, and then we see culminating in John 16, and finally in John 17, we have before us this beautiful high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ as he speaks to the Father about his disciples. And you and I have to understand he does nothing less for us this morning. Just as he prayed to the Father for those who he had before him. So he presents us to the Father. So he sees us struggling, toiling away in this world. He knows what we're going through. And the Bible says he is there for us. We have the evidence of that in our lives. That he is going to uphold us. He is going to sustain us. He's going to see us through Whatever comes our way. Even in the darkest moments of our lives. Even in the blackness of the depths of our own depravity. Even in those times that we, we desire to seek and it seems like we cannot find the Lord. Even those times that we have failed Him. Christ is still there reaching out to us. Desiring for us to take hold of His hand. And to walk in victory with Him. And as we see Jesus pouring out his heart and pouring into these disciples these glorious truths, we get the exact polar opposite of that as we look at Judas. We see the darkness of sin. The Bible telling us that Satan entered him at that time. There's been a lot of talk about Judas. Where does he stand? And, and I've even heard some suggestions that, well, Judas is probably in heaven with everybody else. You know, he just made a mistake. It's okay. That's not what the Bible says at all. The, uh, the Bible says he is the son of perdition. It's one thing when you're inhabited by demons. It's another thing when you're inhabited by Satan himself. And that's where Judas was at. Having yielded himself to this power of Satan, he then goes about the work of the enemy. And Jesus, speaking of Judas, says it would have been better if he had never been born than to do the things that he did. Sometimes we look around at the, the darkness of the world and we can see individuals throughout history that we think, you know, the world would have been better if they had never been born and come on the scene. But by the same token, you and I have to understand if we die without the blood of Jesus upon our lives and upon our hearts, if we die without the promise of heaven, it would have been better if we had never been born and to face the judgment that is ahead. Judas would betray Christ and yet Christ, knowing all things, would take his disciples from that upper room and there they would follow out of the city of Jerusalem. The Bible said that they probably, uh, that they descended down to the brook Kidron at that time, probably going out Stephen's gate there, out of the city, the familiar path it was, they would descend down from the temple, from Jerusalem, down to the to Brook Kidron where they would cross over that brook. And as Jesus would cross over that brook, he would see something remarkable there. And that is that all of the, the sacrifice of the lambs that was continuously going on, 
The blood of those lambs was, was spilling down from the temple and it was spilling down into the brook and was carried on downstream from there. And it was a remarkable sight as thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lambs were killed as Jesus would cross that brook that was running red with the blood of the lambs. What must have gone through his mind at that time? Knowing that he would be the true, the ultimate sacrifice. That he would be the lamb, the perfect lamb, slaughtered from the foundation of the world, the Bible says. The one who would go to the cross and pay the price for our sins. The only true, real atonement for sin found in him. In crossing the brook, he would make his way up the Mount of Olives. Again, a familiar route. And when he got to the top of the Mount of Olives, you see there was, there was a decision to be made. If you turn to the right at that time, you took the road to Bethany. Jesus had been on this path many, many times as we understand that, that he would return to Bethany night after night to stay with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But not this night. This night was, was like a lot of other nights in that Jesus would, would continue on to a small garden known as the Garden of the Oil Press or the Olive Press. That's what the word Gethsemane means, the Garden of the Olive Press. It was a garden that was filled with olive trees and the, and the olives were collected together and they were pressed for the oil that was in them. Gardens were something very special. They were, they were controlled and owned by rich people. You weren't poor and, and owned a piece of real estate like that. But these were individual gardens. They may have been walled. They may have been gated. And they were personal. It was a place where the rich people from Jerusalem could find a retreat outside of the city. You see, there was no, no place within the city of Jerusalem to own something like that. So upon the Mount of Olives there, these were individual gardens that were owned. And we understood that Jesus spent a lot of time here in this garden. The Bible telling us that when every man went to his home, where did Jesus go? He returned to the Mount of Olives. It was a familiar place. It was a place that Jesus would retire to again and again. It was a time to get away from the world. And it was a time uh, that he would spend with his disciples. And Judas knew of that place. And Judas knew that he would probably find Jesus there. And that's exactly why Jesus went there on this night. He was waiting for the one to come who would come. Judas with the others. And the Bible tells us that's exactly what happened. Judas came with a cohort of Roman soldiers. Now a cohort, we understand, is a tenth of a legion, if that helps out any at all. What's a legion? Well, a legion can be anywhere from 6,000 to 12,000 men. That's a lot of Roman soldiers. And so we understand that there was somewhere between six and 1,200 Roman soldiers that were accompanying Judas on this trip as he was to lead them to where Jesus was. Not only did they have the Roman soldiers, they had the temple police that were there, perhaps a couple hundred of them as well. And then, of course, we had the religious leaders that were also along to see what was going on, to see what happened. And we had this incredible group of people, perhaps a thousand or over a thousand people, following Judas 
out of the city of Jerusalem, up the Mount of Olives, to the one place where they expected to find Jesus. But now the Bible also tells us this, that they were, they were carrying in their hand torches and clubs and spears and weapons. They were expecting a fight when they got there. They were expecting to have to search for Jesus when they got to the top. Now I remind you, Passover happens at a full moon. The area is well lit with a full moon up above and it would have been obvious to all the surroundings that were there and those who were there. There was no need for torches. You remember a few years back when they finally found Saddam Hussein. They said he was hiding in the earth like a rat. I believe it was the way they worded that. And he was. He was, he was hidden down. He had, he had found this little, this little place to tunnel in and to hide beneath some junk. And, and there he was. And they dug him out of the ground. He was hiding. Because he knew they were coming for him. Not Jesus. You have to understand what the Bible says. Read it again for yourself. It says, Jesus, knowing that they were coming to him... He went out to them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine one who, who understands the agony that is facing him? The incredible suffering, the humiliation that lies ahead. The torture and eventually the death that will come to him. And he goes out to meet him. He doesn't even just stand there and allow them to come in. Why does Jesus do this? Well, I have to think one of the reasons that he's doing it is for this reason. He is protecting those disciples that God has given to him. Those 11 men who are standing faithful with him, Jesus distanced himself from them, going out to meet them at the gate and asking him that simple question, Who are you after? And their answer is, Jesus of Nazareth the criminal the one with the charges against him not Jesus the Messiah not Jesus the Lord but Jesus of Nazareth the one from Nazareth and upon his words I am we understand the power of God and they all fell down backwards Now I remind you, these are disciplined Roman soldiers. They are an elite fighting group. They are the best of the best of the best. They don't fall down for anything, for anyone. But you see, at the name of God, all fall down. And someday the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those who will willingly do it and those who will not willingly do it, they will fall down before Him. But some will do it for glory and some will do it in judgment. What will it be for you? Are you ready to meet Him should that day arrive? One of the troubling things of this text to me is is that it tells us that upon... They're falling down, and Jesus asked them again, Who are you after? 
they get right back up and what do they say? Jesus of Nazareth. They get right back up. They totally ignore the power of God. They totally ignore everything that's going on and they go right about their business. Their eyes are blinded. They cannot see. Don't they understand that this is God Almighty in human flesh before them? They don't see it. They don't realize it. They're like dumb sheep standing before Him and all they can say is, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, um, we don't want to fall down again, but we're here to get Him. And Jesus says, I told you that I am He. And the next thing He says is important because He says, If you seek Me, which you have asked and I have told you twice, you let these go their way. Let them go. You're not after the disciples, you're after Me. And here I am. And Judas the Bible says, comes up and greets the Lord with a kiss. Amazing. And the way the Greek is, is worded for us in that perfect tense, it says that he, is, he doesn't just give him a peck on the cheek, he is continuously kissing him. He is continuously there hugging him and kissing him. Oh, Master. Oh, oh Lord. <coughs> And there we see him, perhaps, with his arms around his neck. What kind of sick, depraved act is that? Who would do such a thing? Never in the history of the world has anything like that ever occurred. And here's Judas. So off course. So missing the mark. Why? Friends, I can tell you this. You can't make sense out of sin. You can't understand the reason why a lot of things happen and why they are the way that they are. We can't make sense out of a lot of things in this world and certainly we can't make sense out of Judas's actions. But there he is! I mean, wouldn't he have felt at least the least, the littlest tinge of guilt to say, okay, that's him over there, and then beat it back down the road? Wouldn't he at least have come up and, and greeted him in a way and pointed to him? But that's not what he does. He continuously holds to him, kissing him. And then he stands there in the midst of all of them while all of this goes on. I mean, he'd gotten his money. What more did he want? But he stays there in the midst and he witnesses for himself the glory and the power and the majesty of God and the courage of Jesus. And I want to remind you this morning, in all of these events that were taken, that were to demean Christ, that were to belittle him, that were to humiliate him, that were to make him smaller than small, yet Jesus is in charge of everything that goes on. He orchestrates all of these events. He knows that Judas is coming with them for him. He goes out to meet them. He displays the power of God. Not for himself, but for the benefit of those disciples that are behind him. Because Jesus knows what lies ahead for them. And what lies ahead for them is they're going to be scattered like sheep. And their very lives are going to be ripped and torn apart. And their faith is going to be shaken right down to the very core. 
And Jesus says, I do this for them. Does he do any less for you and for me? He sees the struggle of life that we face. He knows the things that we endure. He knows the things that take us to our very breaking point. And he says, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to see you through these things. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to make a way for you. Because he says, I know you cannot endure these things on your own. Boy, there's a lot of times in this world that we feel like we're enduring so much on our own. But he's there for us. Judas would cling to the Lord and kiss him and go his way. The crowd would hear of the majesty and power of God. They would get right back up and go about the things that they do. We shake our heads in unbelief at that. But my friends, we have a world before us today that hears the word of God, that hears of the power and majesty of God, that sees the evidence of the glory of God. And they turn their backs and they go their way. Just like the crowd. Or maybe they cling to him in some way or some shape or form or in name only. Maybe they come up close to Him in some form, strange form of worship, which isn't really worship at all. But there's no heart in them for Him. And they go their way. And Jesus wanting to display to all who He is. Because there's a promise that's there. There's a hope that's there. There's a reality of His nearness and His presence that's there. Christ wants that for you and for me this morning. Where do you stand with the Lord this day? Are you a worshiper of Him? Are you one who loves Him? Or have you heard His word and His message and gone your way? Thinking perhaps a better day. The courage of Christ to redeem us, to go to that cross for us. Remarkable. Unbelievable. Unprecedented in the history of mankind. Unprecedented in the history of heaven. That Christ would come to this earth be like us do you have that courage this morning to declare him and confess him as Lord on this Palm Sunday when we are reminded of his victory of his courage of his humanity as a shepherd of us all of his deity as God where do you stand Let's all stand together this morning as we conclude our service. The glory of Christ. The glory of God the Father. The courage that He displayed for us.
Are you walking with Him? Do you have peace in your life and in your heart? Have you made Him Lord of all? Do you have His promise? Do you have His hope? Or is something missing? Christ wants to make a way for you this morning. Thank you for joining us at New Mansion Church Online. We would love to connect with you at newmansion.org. You can connect with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Marsh Sr. at pastorjeffmarsh.com. God bless, and we hope to see you again soon.